Hello and welcome to episode 264 of Three Beers a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Hello Colin, I thank you for doing this on a Wednesday night because I've got a life apparently in the you, last couple you, of days this got, week. Yeah, you're a busy... You, you, you are quite the social monster. Compared to me anyway, you definitely do stuff whereas I'm... I consider myself exceptionally unsocial, but I do do a lot of sociable things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Whereas I think I'm quite a sociable person, but I don't do sociable things. Yeah, I hate people but yeah. love gatherings, as Randall would say, I think is the best way to <laughs> Yeah, that, that pretty much sums you, sums yeah. you up nicely as well. Um, I have the same vibe that Chris Pine has at Cannes right now. <laughs> or Venice right now that's the vibe I've got that's a that's a weird story that what is it yeah. um, I mean a completely uh, bullshit story but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, seems, Harry seems Styles quite... did not spit on Chris Pine I don't believe that for a second but then no. they were saying that there's tension between who's the direct, who directed it sorry Olivia Wilde aye Olivia Wilde and um, Florence Pugh as well it's one of those ones it's like Olivia Wilde seems like a really nice person and so there's Florence Pugh so I don't know who's if, if there's any truth behind it or, or, or what. It's a story that I feel it's made for social media in the sense yeah. that yeah, yeah, without yeah. social media it's a non-story but because social media becomes it just grows arms and legs etc etc. Yeah, it's got gossip shit. It's pure gossip. It's, but, yeah. but in real time on like massive just takes one person. Anyway, what are you drinking tonight Colin? Oh, um, I'm, I'm on the, the co-op's own IPA which brewed in Stockport and it's just a co-op IPA I've had it before. It literally just says IPA on it. It, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a picture of an old building for some reason or but it does actually taste quite nice and it, it's quite a lightweight four point five percent as well. So it's a, a very sensible midweek beverage. It's a Wednesday night beer is what it is. Oh for sure, for sure. Um, what are you drinking? I've have got a favourite, it's one called First World Problems. We've had it mm. many times before. We mm-hmm. love it, we like it, it's very tasty. Don't like the cans as much anymore. Yeah, it changed bit dull. Um, um, it is very relevant topical as well. Yes, <laughs> you, you, on the nose with your alcohol choice. We, have, we all have many, many first world problems that are becoming even like serious first world problems at this point in time. Yeah, they are. Um, or the country in the verge of self destruction. Um, yeah, is, is, is what we are at the moment, um, but everyone knows about that. Yeah, like just honestly, not, not if, if we behead that. one of them of the leaders, that will send a message. We don't. We don't have to lock. We don't have to lock fifty heads off. As long as you take one, one person, just one. That that's enough of a message. People will people will react to that. I think. To, to that, okay. Well, I'll see what I can do. I'll... Take one head off, and <laughs> I'm sure things will settle down. Um, but anyway, let's go into what we've been watching to distract ourselves from the, um, the current implosion of our country. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what have you been watching at home? Um, at home, so. I've, so remember I was talking to you about about the, the crazy program I discovered where the guys let animals attack them basically for fun yes was it called what's that was the show uh, called King, Kings of Pain it's called so still, I'm still watching that and I've caught up now to season two and I'm now waiting for them to drop the oh, episodes so you're, you're, you're now you're fully invested in the Kings of Pain who basically are the two guys who are trying to basically have things hurt them so they can figure out what pain is the, yeah they, they're basically taking the Smith Pain Index and Evolving it into yeah. something more suitable for modern day because I think you only done looking at insects, whereas these yeah. crazy bastards do like piranhas and stuff like that. Everything stonefish and fucking the, the, the one, the, the, the most impressive one so far, um, has been the, the anaconda. Um, they, they, they let a 16 foot, 16 foot's a big anaconda yeah. fucking latch on their arm. 
I didn't think anacondas um, had poison. I thought they just crushed you. Oh no, yeah, they do. They just bit naughty bite. They've got they've got teeth. They've got I don't have venom, but they've got teeth like kind of that hold you well. Right. curved teeth. Um, right. So okay. the, yeah, so the, both of them done it. Let it bite on the kind of elbow kind of section of the arm, and just after it, the arms are just mangled, dripping of blood, and fucking just ripped apart. And you're like, what, what did you what did you think there? Have they not seen the film, the, the true life documentary, when it comes for Jerry Owen Wilson and John Voight? Did they not see this? An ice cube, no less. Uh, yeah. Totally, did, uh, they're scared of anacondas. Come on, guys. This, yeah. It's so compelling, though. It's yeah. just, you're watching, it's like kind of jackass. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it just, you know, it's wrong. You know, it's silly. You know, it's dangerous, but it's brilliant watching. You're also equally glad this is them, not you. Yeah. And there is also that horrible dark element. Of, is when I'm going to die. Just kind of <laughs> waiting, you know, every week. You're like, oh, okay. I'm betting they don't show that episode, the one where the thing like kills him. Well, I, I'm going to kind of wager that if, the fact that it's a fucking TV show is at no point is anyone going to die, which no, is a wee I bit sad. So. If one of them dies, you'll hear about it like in the news. Before, yeah, before. You know, it's the Steve Irwin thing. They didn't show that. They didn't, people weren't watching that all happen as it happened or anything. It was like, yeah. he died filming it. So we're not going to show that episode. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it's, it's very, very compelling watching. It's just insane to it just more mad the fact that no matter how badly hurt they get, the other one will always do it as well. Do you know what I mean? So one will see this, you know, the other one riding about in absolute excruciating pain, wishing he was dead, and he's like, okay, I'll go now. And you're like, you just are yeah. fucking yeah. half your heads. But it's just, you really need to watch to see how insane it is. It's just. So, other grown men hurting himself, what else have you been watching at home? Uh, what else have we been watching? So, I am up to speed. On Game of Thrones, as I'm now calling it, I've given my corn at the House of Dragons. How is it? Is it, is it? Do you feel invested in it? Starting to now, actually, the, the, the last episode I watched there um, had some decent payoff. Um, you know, they're starting to fall into the Game of Thrones. You know, like the kind of first thirty-five minutes is all kind of talky, and then boom, you know, just yeah. everything happens in the last fifteen minutes. Um, and that's how this episode went. You know, so it was a lot of kind of talk, talk. In the last fifteen minutes, it was batshit crazy. <laughs> it's like... uh, it was just, it was just nuts. It's just yeah. proper like wow. Uh, Matt Smith, who I've not, never been convinced about. Um, mm. Kind of really upped his game. Um, there's uh, without spoilers, there's a berserker moment in it involving Matt Smith. Um, All right. the, the fella holds up well as a berserker. You know, kind of, yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, man, this this is, okay. this is good. So yeah, get, getting quite invested. Um, still not a fan of the kind of main girl in it. I don't. Okay. I can't, can't remember her name, but she seems to have very, very, very limited range. Um, right. You know, basically one expression for every situation. Um, mm. Rest in bitch face, possibly. Um, so. <laughs> So she's um, she's yet to convince me, but I think she's replaced by a different actress because I think it skipped all a few years as well. Right, so okay, fair enough. A saving, a saving point. So I've been watching that um, and Lord of the Rings. I've been do not, I have not watched any of this. I'm going to watch it. I do not spoil a single thing for me. How are, are you, you enjoying it? Are you going to wait until it's spoiled? No, no. Um, once I'm time? watching something this now. Once I finish that, I'm going to start investing my time in it. Well, we're only two episodes in so yes. far, so it dropped a double episode. And I've got to say, so the, the, the kind of, Big news with this one is it's the most expensive TV show ever made. Can you see the um, money? You can see the oh, yeah. that, that you can put this side by side with Jackson's There Is No Trilogy and it. Boom. You can tell it's the same world. It's, it, yeah, it belongs yeah. in the same same world. Absolutely, uh, the writing's really good as well. Um, the acting, a lot of unknowns in it. There's no. You think about it, the, the Lord of the Rings film that we're obviously we all grew up. Well, you didn't grow up in, but it's sort of a big touchstone for the rest of for like, mm. sort of our generation was. Yeah. Like, there's no big actors in that. Like, Ian McKellen was a big actor who's done X Men, but he wasn't like it wasn't a household name. Ian McKellen. Mm. Ian McKellen was more of a stage actor. Pat, uh, not Pat Stewart. Um, Viggo Morrison wasn't well known. Christopher yeah. Lee is probably the biggest name in it is probably Christopher Lee, who had 
ministerial partner. Yeah. Aye, and he was like, you know, he's hammer. That, that's what he's won. Even director Peter Jackson was a guy who'd done basically like Evil Dead style horror. Film buffs like as we're probably familiar with a lot of that yeah. stuff, but your mainstream audience, yeah. Yeah, so you've got that, known. plus you've got like, none of the Hobbit, like Sean Astin's probably the most famous Hobbit in it. Well, sorry, that's a lie. Elijah would be probably the biggest name, but even yeah. he was like sort of still at the bottom of his like sort of um, fame. Yeah, yeah. Only, only, only real career before that was probably um, Sean Astin. He'd done all the Goonies stuff and things like that. Kind of 80s. Uh, 80s stuff, yeah. yeah. Kid star, yeah. The other yeah. two, Pippin and Mary, had done nothing. They're not anybody can probably yeah, yeah. casualty. The dwarf, um, John Reith Davis, wasn't it? He, mm. He'd obviously he'd done indie back in the day. Well, other than that, yeah, he didn't really much, yeah. you know, bit part roles and sort of like minor roles in big films. I think so. No one in that was actually that big when you think about that it. Big. And they've done, done the same. Risk. Yeah. The biggest name that, that me and Lenny, Lenny Henry is, is Lenny Henry, which yeah. again, outside of Britain, people are like, Who the fuck is Lenny Henry? Do, do you know what I mean? Um, the woman playing Gladriel, she's in that film, St. Maud. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't I didn't recognize her from it, but Lorraine pointed yeah. that out to me as well. But no, dude, it's um, it, you, every scene is just jaw droppingly gorgeous, just pure eye candy. Just lovely. Have you heard is... the controversy so far about this? What's the, what's the controversy? The controversy is that the internet and mainly. A certain faction internet is very annoyed because they have hobbits of colour. Why? Why would you annoy them? You've got people of colour? Why would yes. they have hobbits? Their argument, and their completely deluded argument, is that Tolkien wrote this as a sort of mythical English Middle England fairy tale or sort of lore, and you had no black people in England during the middle century, so the, there shouldn't be any in this. When did Tolkien write this? If- 50s, 40s? 50s, more. 50s? Uh, yeah, they, they were now, you know, like, Talking in 2021, yeah. so whatever was written back then yeah. is no longer relevant yeah. in this day and age. So, and off. also, it's a show that's got fucking dragons in it. Yeah, I was telling yeah. Lorena a story about that. I remember years in it as well. Yeah, years ago, I was working with a fella who was like a massive, massive fan of Lord of the Rings, and he went on a pure rant about how Orlando Bloom was a terrible elf and elves did not act like that, and that's yeah. not a real. And I'm like, dude, elves are fake. real. You, you understand, elves are not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it just clamped up. Like, okay, well, okay. that's the thing as well. Like people are moaning about the fact there's people like actors of color in this playing roles. Like there's a black elf, for example, mm, at some point, yeah. right? And they're, and they're angry about this, but they weren't angry when Orlando Bloom skateboarded down Helm's Deep. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm pretty much sure Tolkien did not write that into the script either. Yeah, totally. you know? So it's like, so pick and choose. Anyway, it's, the internet's angry calling about that. And that's uh, how we can have nice things because the internet gets angry about stuff like that. Well, do you know what? Out, out with angry people who are fucking idiots. And if they're going to pick on a show as good as this for that, that's their fucking loss. Yeah. It says um, more about them than it does about anyone. Yeah, it's. Dude, it's wonderful so far. So we're only two in, and as I said, it's episodic now, but those first two, just every scene, you know, it's, it's one of those, we say it often about certain things, but it's, it's a freeze-free movie, pause at any point, and you've paint. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's just yeah. beautiful. The budget is evident all the way through, so all the way through. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that. And yeah. if you are dealing with trolls online regarding this, take Neil Gaiman's advice when someone asked him, how do you deal with trolls? And he said, you keep them talking till sunrise. Or... Do what Colin does. What does Colin do with social media? Doesn't Come have any. Ah, yeah. Beat him with your own fucking game. Uh, <laughs> anything else we've uh, watched this week? Yeah, we'll, we'll start with me and Lorraine used to watch Modern Family. Um, it was on Now TV, but we'd kind of dropped in because Now TV kind of show episodes. Yeah, 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 enough, yeah. So we dropped in at season 11 or 12, perhaps. Right. Um, managed to watch three or four seasons, then that was it gone. So we found now that it's on Disney Plus. Yes. Um, so we went all the way back to the start and we're watching Modern Family again. So oh, that's nice. Heading towards the end of the first season, and I've got to say, man, it's, it's a fair bit old now. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the initial seasons and stuff like that. But 
What a great show, Modern Family is. It's, yeah. a, it's generally it's quite sweet to watch, yeah. particularly the kids all grow up, because you do literally yeah. see them when they are children, but they're babies, yeah, yeah. essentially. And they become older. And it's got that thing that we've kind of discussed before, where that pair of character, like kind of Abed and community, stuff like that, mm. um, Phil Dunphy's just, he's that character, Modern Family. Dunphy's, Dunphy's outstanding. He's just, every, every, every fucking episode, yeah. he has me buckled. So, I mean, he's just so lovable and daft. So, I'm, I'm we'll watch that as well. I like Sophie Vergara in it, because I think yeah. she plays it all really well, but I, I've Enjoy more is Claire's like interaction with Sophie Vergara, yeah, like the you know, hanging the daughter, awkward, yeah, the awkward, you're, yeah. My, uh, you're my mom, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoy that a lot. It is, it's, but, it's, it's, it's one of those shows where a, a bit like Friends, in many ways, you can dip in an episode randomly and you still can enjoy it. You don't really need to uh, watch the whole series itself, it's very yeah. much comfort viewing. Is it the smartest? Yeah. Probably not, is it the best? Probably not, but it's very comfortable, it's very warm, and you feel very much home with it, yeah, yeah. So, we're enjoying that as well. Um, that, that's been me for. TV viewings. Um, I'll go into my one cinema viewing when we're doing cinemas. What about oh. you? What have you been watching on I the, watched the small very, screen, sir? I watched only Murders in the Building um, oh, season two, two which um, you'd watched. So I watched it pretty much in the space of like three nights, I think it was. We, we, we pretty much did rattle through it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say you were underwhelmed to begin with, mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was the opposite. I genuinely enjoyed it more from the very start. Really? Um, well, I thought yeah. you, you've obviously, you don't have to do a lot of like world building. You can have very much drop in world where you know where you're in. So I'm, I'm very much with that. Um, there was pitfalls with it in terms of doing a second season some of the meta stuff and they're very aware doing a second season at times come across really funny and at times come across a little bit stretched Um, there is a sort of a kind of almost a cameo appearance over three episodes by Amy Schumer which Great. never it never paid off, and I felt like if you're going to bring it, it felt like it was like a smoking gun or a, like it's a Chekhov's gun. You know, if you're going to bring yeah. it in the first half, it's got to pay it off by the end of it, and they never did. Not at all. No. The, the, the it's very irritating as well. I, yeah. I, I totally remember I said it. Remember I did see who it was. Yeah. There was something that I was really happy about, and yeah. it was Amy Schumer. Yeah, the, the payoff they gave to the end of the show was excellent, even without the Schumer. It was still an excellent mm. payoff. I was very pleased with it. Um, the banter, the the the, the banter between. Short and um, Martin. Martin is still like next level brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. And I felt like Selena Gomez found her place with, more than, with them more this time. Like it felt yeah. like in the first season she was enjoyable with them. It felt she was still kind of a little bit like the outsider, which I guess was part of the role. She was still the outsider between the two of them. And now she feels like she's been, it's, it feels more of a proper trio as opposed to two plus someone who vibes yeah, with them yeah. rather than, you know. Yeah. Um, and I like the couple of episodes you find when she realizes she's old as well. Yeah, not older, old, old, but she's yeah, older. Yeah, older. You're like, oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I think for me, it was definitely. It sagged a lot in the middle, I found. As I say, I really warmed to it. The last three episodes is where I, you know, I really right, okay. found it landed perfectly almost. Yeah. Um, I just felt that the, the, the kind of reveal at the end was almost like irrelevant to the nine episodes before it. It kind of is a little bit. I won't lie. It does feel a little bit they've just kind of attacked on a random ending towards yeah, the end, yeah. and perhaps to get a character out of the show who didn't want to be in the third season, possibly. Um, but I, I found it enjoyable enough, and I, and I, and I bought it for, for the most part. I thought it was uh, just. It's not a spoiler for anyone. Uh, I don't know if you'd have even kind of got it because it's just snapping. You miss it. But the, the best bit in the whole thing, me and Lorraine were in stitches. Was the bit where the the gay fella's chatting up his neighbour, uh-huh. and they're talking. He's like, you know, what's your dream man? He's like a librarian. And he goes, I'm a librarian. He goes, shut up. And he goes, that's your mall. <laughs> fucking, did you catch that? I did catch it. Yeah, it was. But Lorraine just she just started buckling because she started. That was me as well. And for about ten minutes, we were just 
knotted over that one just gone there was so far away as well yeah. it was just like yeah, dismissive it was funny as fuck the they got, does that mean you laugh ridiculous was about when they're in the diner and it's like um, they're paying for a meal and Mark Short goes I'll pay for it just as um, thing he takes his wallet out and he takes money off of Steve Martin and gives it over <laughs> as if it's his it just it felt proper just like a friendship type thing you know, yeah, it, felt, yeah, it felt proper real that's the, two, real the two of them are brilliant there's, 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 there's a magic there do you know what I mean that you, get, you get comedy teamings and when you see it you're like that's it. it's just like it's like Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis that kind yeah. of thing and, um, and Martin and Sean are Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually probably put it on a par with season one. Um, yeah, a little bit. There was a few more loose ends I didn't quite tied up enough for me. Um, compared to season one, which I thought it was a lot tied to a bit more contained. Um, this one did go a little bit more expansive to try and widen yeah. it, as every season two has to do. Yeah, um, and his face was really good on it as well. The cop. Uh, Michael Rutherford. He was brilliant as well. He's funny. He, yeah. he smashed it, yeah. It was very funny. <laughs> like, it worked yeah. really well. So I really enjoyed that. So I would give that a very solid, probably a very solid 8 out of 10. I think that was about 7 I gave it, yeah. maybe, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. Another one I'm going to talk a bit more at length about before we go into movies was a, it's a TV series on Amazon called A League of Their Own. Um, which is created by Abby Jacobson, which is not the British panel show that you always think I'm talking about. It's yeah. it's based on the movie. The um, Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Madonna movie. Madonna movie. Um, yeah. So but it's based on that, but it's not really, it's not like continuing the story. It's not like, it's almost like it's telling the story again, just with different characters. They're not playing the is same it, characters. The is same, it set in the same time period? Same time, because it, yeah. it starts with the, the formation of the Rockford Peaches. Right. So it's all and it's all the triads and stuff like that. So it's starting in exactly the same way. Just it's like almost a difference. It's like an alternate universe of there's no Gina Davis, no Madonna, but you have a Gina Davis like character and you have a Madonna like mm. character. Yeah. And like sort of just for anyone that, that kind of doesn't get the gist of the story, the gist is it back in fifties, forties, during World War Two, forties. All the men were away, so that there's no one to play baseball. So women you start a women's league well, up to try yes, and entertain the baseball team. Yeah, yeah, and this is that was basically the story. Tom Hanks was the manager, and this kind of team, you know, that yeah. gets put together become. Yeah. Um, so this is what it is again it's basically taking that over a longer period of time um, mm. it's like over, over eight episodes uh, you've got created by Abby Jackson well she adapted it for the TV um, she's in it as a main sort of role as a kind of not quite she's not quite as spunky as Gina Davis she's a bit more sort of reserved than Gina Davis mm. and you've got Darcy Carden in it as well who we know from The Good Place uh, mm-hmm. you've got Shanti Abbins uh, Adam sorry Jamelso Ikamolo they play like, sort of two African-American women who are sort of in the plot but they're sort of like almost like a secondary plot alongside the main plot I'll get to in a wee second um, and you've also got Nick Hoffman playing essentially at the start of the Tom Hanks role um, you know the, the coach who gets brought in mm. to sort of add legitimacy to the you know yeah. this kind of people think it's a bit of a joke and it is a really wonderfully sweet and heartfelt telling um, that I was happy to find it doesn't try and emulate the the movie because I love the movie is brilliant I love the yeah. film um, yeah. I've got two little Rockford Peaches figures above my desk um, and I've got like a Rockford Peaches Baseball jersey, like I genuinely, I genuinely do adore this film. So I was kind of worried about they were trying maybe do too much, just try and copy it, and they didn't. They do their own thing with it, but it's definitely a world you still recognise. You know, this, yeah. this sort of world. Um, so I enjoyed the fact it tries to be its own beast um, and doesn't try to copy it. There's maybe I think I recognised three moments in it that were sort of a direct lift from the, the movie, movie, which yeah. is obviously Rockford Peaches being one, which is named. Yeah. Someone does say there's no crying in baseball is a week and a throwaway line, which is fine. I'm okay you with that. Need, I think you, you couldn't, I think if that wasn't in there, you'd yeah. probably be more pissed off than that it is in there, I think. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. like, yeah. like Prey didn't do much in terms of like trying to, like, you know, ape Predator, but it did have that yeah. one, there's no time to bleed line. You know, just, it's enough, it's enough yeah. behind the fans like it, and there's yeah. something else in it as well. But other than that, it was very much um, it done, its, done its own thing. Um, they do, there is two Julians, there's a sort of sto- two stories. The story we all kind of know about in the movie mm. with the, the team trying to perform that kind of stuff. You've also got 
the separate story of like sort of these two African American women, one of them who wants to be a pitcher but is like sort of excluded by the fact she's not only a woman, she's also black, so mm. she's not allowed to get involved that way. And it's sort of it's like a dual storyline shown then, but the storylines at times don't really cross enough, so they do feel very separate at times. And right. so they do kind of coalesce towards the end, which is good and it's nice, and does all work. And you see, you can understand why it's there. But mm. and I did, and on its own merit, I really enjoyed the storyline because the, the friendship that the two women have got together is wonderful. It's like it's a really warm, heartfelt friendship. So when you're watching it, you're really enjoying who they are and what they're doing and they're suffering in the same way that these other women are suffering so but it just felt very it felt like very two distinct narratives like you know they're literally taking place in the same town right next to each other yeah. which I guess is kind of the point a little bit it's like two worlds that are I guess, together, it's, but I guess it's about kind of exclusion and stuff like that yeah on the wider scale and then on a yeah Did, is, is it finished then is that the season wrapped up yes eight episodes um, it also says well it's a very strong like sort of LGBTQ plus message mm-hmm. in it but it's yeah. clearly been written by someone of that ilk it's not like a male white male perspective it's of not that. here's what yeah it's, it's gen- yeah it feels the, the female friendship in it feel all very genuine and they come they do come from a real place it doesn't feel like it's um you know almost a, like a fantasy version yeah of this. yeah but everybody's yeah. hot and, and yeah um, well, and also off and Darcy Carden playing like sort of like kind of she's quite an interesting character and she doesn't play herself maybe the second lead in it she is she's wonderful she's a great actress and I really enjoy her in The Good Place but this even more fantastic and I watch her in more stuff it's really done on Amazon each episode is about between 45 and 55 minutes long eight episodes if you like the movie you'll enjoy this if you didn't like the movie you'll probably still enjoy it but mm. I really dug it I really Mr Offerman is a Hanks placement I had questioned this when you'd mentioned it before so different kind of character to Hanks mm. he's mm-hmm. and he's only in it for about three episodes Oh, okay, okay. But there's enough there, but he's definitely not playing Hanks. That's something. Everything is recognisable without being the same, which I think is good. It's a good thing, yeah. Definitely it's not rehashing your own just now, so yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely his own beast in every way, cool. which I really enjoyed. I think I watched, because like you, I do like the movie a lot. Um, yeah. And I've seen it was kind of young back the first time around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen it, um, but no, but, but big fan of the films. So yeah, it sounds like a thing I've enjoyed, so I'll try and... Maybe get a few other things out of me and catch up. I think up until Fifty Shades of Grey came out, it was like the highest earning female directed movie. Mm-hmm. I think um, I might be wrong with that, but I'm pretty sure it was like it was like what is the movie that made the most money. Maybe Harry Met Sally. I don't know what came out. Ooh, maybe Harry Met Sally. Possibly. Harry Met Sally. No, Harry Met Sally. That's Rob that's right, yeah, yeah. So it's a female, unless there's something you know that. Romy Rob Reiner. Um, does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, it could be. I'm pretty sure that might have been like the highest earning. Like female-led movie, um, but to give a, to give people a, pers- a perspective on this as well. So this was back in the eighties when like Gina Davis, Madonna, um, Rosie O'Donnell, Tom Hanks. These guys were at the peak of their fame. Yeah, you know back there as well. So the star drawing it, these names are probably not as recognisable now to a lot of people. But back then, those names were that that was star power, right there. Nineteen ninety-two it was. It was Penny Marshall directed it, so I might be a bit close run thing to maybe Atkins in Seattle, possibly. It's Nora Ephron. Yeah. But the point is that 1992 yeah, till about late 2015-ish or 10-ish, that was the highest earning female movie, I think. I think, I think Wonder Woman's now bypassed that because of them. Um, yeah, 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 up until very recently, the, that was still one of the highest earning female-led led movies. And quite right, as I say, the cast is phenomenal. Gina Davis is one of the actors you go, why is she not, why does she not, I know she, I think she retired a little bit from acting to mm, do her own thing, yeah. be like an actor and stuff like that, but Gina Davis mm. has got charisma and charm that pretty much no one else has. 
watching the fly, I think it was my first exposure to Davis, and I yeah. just fell in love there instantly. Just like she is absolutely on part of it. Yeah. Been a fan ever since then. Nice one. Ma- um, lovely. Let's start from, let's go to cinema, Colin. Let's go to cinema. Let's go so to the cinema. You took a trip to cinema on Sunday to see something interesting. What did you go and I see? I did. Um, I took uh, my, my youngest child um, to, to see E.T., which has been re-released for its 40, 40 years ago. E.T. is older than me. Dude, 40 fucking years. E.T. Like, wow. Um, so I mean, when, when, I saw ET, when I saw E.T. for the first time, it was probably at least 10 years old. Yeah. 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 That's how... And so we went to see that, uh, the, the, the kind of 4K restored edition we went to see. Um, and this film, you could release this film tomorrow and it would still still rake it. And it's Spielberg, probably at the, the peak of his powers, maybe? I would question that Spielberg's never been at the, never dropped off in his powers. But, uh, yeah, no, but there's, a certain, the, there's a certain type of Spielberg here, yes, yeah, I do agree. Yes. Yeah, and, and it just, everything, it just nails it. It's It's got... Without E.T., there wouldn't be Stranger Things and stuff like that. It's basically defined so much of what we see now in terms of science fiction and kind of alien-human interaction films and stuff like that. And Spielberg's to thank for all that. It's just such a great, heartfelt movie. Um, I forgot when I first What do you think Spielberg done before E.T.? What do you think the film that we done previously, like literally the year before E.T.? 84 E.T.? 82. 82 E.T.? Oh. Joe was after Jaws. Jaws was 70s. Yeah, fuck it was. Um, It's it's an iconic Spielberg movie. Dude, tell me one that isn't. Yeah, true. Probably. (laughs) It didn't help me as slight as the iconic Spielberg movie. Like, yeah, they all are. Uh, Close Encounters? No, Raiders. Was it Raiders and then ET? Raiders, then ET, then his Twilight Zone segment, then done Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, um, then done The Colour Purple. So, pretty time for. Even even that, that, what, what. that lineup of movies, they are so. Do you know what I mean? It's just the, the man's just. He's got to be doing shit, but it's not the same. He's yeah. like, you're fucking doing, you know, a race drama now, and I've just done a fucking yeah. cute cuddly. You know what, dude? I can't stop, honestly describe man. it now. I'll argue to the end of the day. Spielberg is the best who's ever done that job, and he will remain the best who's ever done that job. No one has even oh. came close. There's, there's no one came close. Yeah, Spielberg, he, he is like the ultimate. Craftsman, Craftsman, filmmaker, populist as well. You know how to make films that people want as well. That's the point. Someone can make great art and no one wants to see it. Yeah, he makes yeah. art people want to see, and he makes yeah. wonderful stories. And honestly, he is the best that has ever been at this job. Yeah. But I think when I'm saying, yeah, I think I think he's going at his best. I mean, for mm. making that 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 type the of family, film, the you know? ultimate family entertainment. Yeah, and, and it just it, it works. You know, the, the, the get kid actors to give those performances, even that in its own is something yeah. quite special. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Dee Stone, she was Dee Stone and not Dee Wallace Stone. No. She, forget how good she was as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Peter Coyote turns up for a wee yeah. bit in that. Again, not a great actor. Um, but yeah, th- this is the kids' movie um, and it's Spielberg making a movie for kids, you know, all the kind of camera work's done from a kind of kid height and stuff like that. So it's a movie... Four kids made by possibly the biggest kid of all. I think that's the point. He's he's an adult with a child's mentality when it comes to what kids want to see. And yeah. whereas a lot, a lot of us kind of almost forget what you liked as a child, you kind of you know you like something, you don't understand what it what it does to you. He's mm. somehow particularly in this era Spielberg. He's changed. He's, he's definitely changed what he, what he is now. Yeah. But the eighties Spielberg knew what families and young children wanted, either as a director or producer. At the same time, he was also producing The Goonies, Gremlins, and he was you know producing stuff like when he was. Um, not doing that, he was doing um, Portergeist. Yeah. 
So he knows exactly how to tap into the sort of the psyche of the family. Yeah, I guess uh, two seconds to catch us. So yeah, ET was uh, it was great. I had fears that it wouldn't carry over well to kid born 10, 11 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, are they going Is to it the millennial, millennial get... audience might not embrace it? Yeah, quite and I was I was wrong. Uh, the, the, the kid adored it as well. Maybe not as much as me, but it, it definitely came out. He was like a good film dad, you know, so that was fucking you know, Because it is timeless, well. like in a way, like yeah. although there is the fashions will date it. Yeah. But the general story itself isn't relying on like technology or relying on like mobile phones or anything that makes it feel particularly old. And also most of the CGI and most of the CGI special effects in it are practical, mm. so it all looks real enough. Yeah, it's not yeah, it doesn't I... age. So I was trying to explain that to the kids as well when we were talking about it and it was saying oh, it was there was one bit and it was like, oh yeah, that look look at the blue screen and that, and I had to explain like pretty much all of that movie's puppets and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And like the bits you see in blue screen, it's not like CGI you have now. Do you know what I mean? It's a different craft altogether. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? And, and I think he, he appreciated that as well. Do you know what I mean? But just in t- in t- it was it was nice sharing my nostalgia with my yes. kid as well. That 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 probably made it a bit more sweet because as I said to you before we started recording, um, I first seen this. It was my very first date with a girl when I was like <laughs> ten years old. Do you know what I mean? Sitting in the yes. cinema with my arm around her and being all coy and stuff like that. So for me, the, you know, just the, the memories came flooding back and just to kind of share that nostalgia and let the kids see something that meant so much. Just it was, it was a nice experience. Lovely. Busy cinema for it? Mm, no, I think it'd been out for maybe four or five days by the time we got to it. Right, we okay. went on a kind of Sunday afternoon show, yeah. um, maybe about kind of quarter full. Um, but again, to say this is like four or five days and it's kind of run as well. So, yeah, so they're also showing Jaws in the cinema this week as, as well. well. And Star Trek 2, Rav Khan as well. I love Rav Khan. But I'm not like, Joe love... won't let me go and see Jaws in the cinema again because last time I went and saw it, I sat and just repeated the, the dialogue almost <laughs> perfect throughout <laughs> it. <laughs> For, for an I hour can see why minutes. that would be irritating. Be like, yeah. shut up and let me fucking. So, they I'm do no better than you, Richard. Shushed. Yeah. yeah, but I do know that. Um, I do that film word for word. Got a convinced Caleb um, to watch Jaws with me when he comes over the weekend. Nice. So that's that's a reason. Never seen Jaws. I'm going into the Jaws. You can go on a Spielberg thing. You can get that. You can get Indy. Yeah. You can get I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a wee bit longer before you get them close encounters. Maybe I'm a few years more for close mm-hmm. encounters. I've seen that when I was a kid about 18 years old. Didn't, didn't work. Straight over the head. Um, Aye. I think I was like 15 or 16 before I saw that film properly and actually got what I was supposed to get from it. Yeah, but yeah, if you're a wee kid and see, you just, it's just a long, boring film and nothing happens. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a wee kid, but as an adult, it's sort of well, It's probably one of my favourite Spielbergs, actually, um, Close Encounters. Yeah, we'll, we'll, need, we'll need to have a Spielberg special one week. I'm we'll sure we must have done it in the past, but we'll do it again, uh, just for the sake yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, um, Spielberg, can. Yeah. There you go, E.T., anybody screen again, 10 out of 10? It's a classic for a reason. Do you know what I mean? It's like the, the word classic gets banded about, but E.T. is a classic. Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. There, there is. If there's any criteria to meet for like, for a classic, I think ET fulfills all levels oh, of yeah. that criteria. Text, what one Spielberg films I don't own, strangely? ET, yeah, oh, that's, that's odd. Um, I'll get you for Christmas. Sake. <laughs> I think I was waiting for a really nice Blu-ray to come out. I'm always hoping, what against hope, Spielberg will do like a commentary. He's never really, he's never done a commentary before. Ever? Never, never done a commentary for it, before. For anything? Nothing. Wow. Yeah, so it's very odd. He's, it's one thing he's never, he's never really done. Um, so hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm always. Getting, oh, I've got it. Sorry, I lie. I've got it, Blu-ray. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm always hoping it's hope he'll make one day do a commentary for a movie because I feel like his mind should be put down properly on the tape. Yeah, maybe the guy's happy to sit back and let his movies speak for him. He's like, I didn't take out. I, I, I made it. I didn't take fucking very watch. Yeah, it. true. Yeah. I just, I, I wanted, a bit like me here, like, I want to hear some people speaking. I want to hear some people talk about movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. It'd be good to hear him. Yeah, it's going to, what's going on? What's going on in that yeah, head? Yeah. yeah. yeah maybe yeah, it's one of the he can't tap into who he was when he made that film. I think he looks upon Jaws more as like sort of a bit of a chaotic time. He didn't know half of what he knew then, what he'd 
does now and stuff like that. He almost looks maybe sees too many faults in it. Whereas oh, we see yeah. a classic, yeah, he, yeah. he sees problems. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, you know, I wish he could have done that. And that's not what you want to hear on commentary. As a director lament themselves about what they could have done. It's like, no, that's not what we need to. Possibly. Yeah, man, so. possibly. Um, but yeah, so ED's in the cinema think, now. Yeah. Um, Rafa Khan also in the cinema. I'd love to see that in the cinema as well. That'd be amazing yeah. seeing the cinema. Yeah, go, go watch it. I don't know if they're doing all the Star Trek. They are doing all the Star Trek. Cup- they are doing them all over the next couple oh, of months. Undiscovered Country, I think. I love Undiscovered Country yeah. as well. Yeah, I think that's maybe one that I wanted to make special things. But Rafa Khan is the best of all. There's not a single moment lost in Rafa Khan. I, I, Rafa Khan is yeah. like, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, that's a great movie. Ricardo Mortland just owns that film from start yeah. to finish. Yeah, yeah. So, Colson, we've talked about old movies. We've enjoyed old movies. Um, let's talk about movies that are out of the snow and whether or not they're good or bad. Um, mm. And we'll discuss that. This current state of cinema. Didn't get to see 3,000 um, Years of Longing. You know, it's... I will go no, see it at some point, but yeah, I want to point no, of if no. cinemas want to try and get people into fucking cinema, maybe put yeah. things on at a palatable time for people to go and see. For example, this film was on my local at 1 pm and 9 pm. And it's like, well, Monday to Friday, who the fuck does that suit? And it's not what you would call, I get that with indie movies, but you know, this is a big film, big stars in it. Directed one of the, by one of the biggest directors. It's not a fucking yeah. independent. You don't need to yeah. bury it. You know, you there's an audience for this film. Sure, you got a chance to be seen. One o'clock at yeah. night on a Monday to Friday. No one can see it. Everyone's working, and then yeah. Tuesday at nine o'clock at night. I, I mean, yeah. it's a pain in the arse to go out at Tuesday at nine o'clock at night because I won't go home yeah. till midnight because everyone's yeah. working the next morning. So yeah. give people a chance. Put it on at a palatable time for people, you know. So anyway, that's my little rant about film times. I agree, sir, wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, let's talk one a couple of things that are in the cinema first of all. The first one is The Forgiven, which is uh, directed by John Michael McDonough, who directed War on Everyone and Calvary and Guard. Three films that I well, two films that I absolutely adored. One film that a little bit softer on that was War on Everyone, but I know people a lot of people do like it's War on um, Everyone, no one really make opinion. Yeah, um, I love that. That's, that's one of my favourite films. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't buy that one quite as much as um, like Calvary and The Guard. Those two mm. have really done it for me. Um, mm. But the one of them didn't. It, it was still good, maybe but the one of those ones, maybe because my expectations were so high, you know, that it sort of it didn't feel right. Um, it felt like one of those films where the people who were involved in it, Michael Pena was fine. I didn't think Stars Guard quite got the dialogue right, whereas like guys like Brendan Gleeson mm-hmm. and Don't Anyway, the minor point, it's a film that's eight years old now. They don't need to delve into it. But the Cal- Calvary and The Guard, I thought both were excellent. I think Calvary made my top 10 um, the year it came out as well. So the plot of this film is saying it's a bickering, very rich couple um, are in sort of Moroccan desert. They're driving um, to the house of a friend who has renovated their house into sort of a palatial Moroccan palace um, for, a, for a birthday party. Um, on the way there, they basically kill someone. They knock over a young man or a young boy, sort of teenager um, on the way there. They bring his body to the house and essentially they've got to try and find out who it is. When they do find out who it is, he wants the, the man who killed him to go with him to his village in order to bury the son. Um, and, it, and it's the story of them doing that, plus people who are not going, who are left behind in the, the party, sort of just having their party life, essentially, sort yeah. of... Um, Pretty pain ignorance to it. That's um, quite dark, isn't it? Very That's... dark, yeah. This, yeah. It, this is not a happy film by any stretch. Yeah. It's got a very good cast. You've got Jessica Chastain, who, big fan, I know you're not, I am. Um, um, we don't call him Ralph, we call him Rafe Fiennes. Mm-hmm. Um, they play mm-hmm. the, the married couple. And you get Matt Smith, um, your man there. Um, you've got Caleb Landry Jones playing Matt Smith's hubby in it. You've got Christopher Abbott, Abby Lee, and Syed uh, Trub. Taratromai Aoi, I think he's pronounced it. I'm not really fairly good with unfortunately names that are not anglicised. Um, start with Mick or Mac. Mick or Mac, yeah, I'm okay with all of that. But he, he plays, he's in it as well. So I apologize if you get your name wrong there. But this is a very, it's a very dark movie, like you said. It's a, it's a very well done grown up thriller that doesn't pander to its audience or to the middle in that respect. It's very much putting everything out there and you're very mm. much left to sort of deal with it yourself. You're not, it's, there's no, 
no one really has a moral high ground in it. No one really has a, a moral, you know, where you feel like it's hard to watch a film where you really dislike everyone in it. Yeah. There's very few yeah. characters in it who I feel like there's a couple like sort of like the servant characters in it who you have slightly redeeming features and you feel like you you realise that you know they've got a shit life because they've been treated like dicks. Yeah. Um, and the, the father of the, the young man who was killed, you do have some sympathy for him, but all these are main characters who actually got any sort of real plot development, you don't like them. But just they're all really unlikable in every single respect. Do you think it's by purpose? That's yeah, purpose. it's got to yeah. intentionally, yeah. Yeah, because um, this essentially is it's a film about racism. It's, it's about all the different facets of racism. You've got the sort of the old-style racism of, you know, the kind of almost dad's army, the fuddy-duddies, you know, the fuzzy-wuzzies type thing. Yeah. Of like, we are we are Imperial Britain. Yeah. We, will, we are better than these savages. We will show them that. Oh, yeah. Outright, we are civilised, you're not, yeah. That, that, yeah. You're also the ones like, yeah. the, the almost the sort of racism passed off as a compliment by going, we like your exoticness. You know, that kind of racism, you know, when it's sort of, it's like, you yeah. think you've been nice, but in reality, you're not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you have, like, the sort of the noble savage type thing coming into it. You also have the sort of just idea, we are rich, you are poor, therefore we are better than you type thing. And so you have all these different facets, and all the members of the party essentially represent these different facets of racism um, and sort of this sense of betterness, that they are better than others and other than you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like I said, it's very hard to like anyone because they all pretty much, you know, are... Assholes. Assholes, yeah. <laughs> um, some of them I think know it some of them don't like some of them do think they are good people but in a bad situation but all of them are just quite content with being a dick being a dick so there's a lot of themes of like white privilege and probably the only one that it kind of slips a little bit for who does have some sort of reckoning and understanding of who of what he is is Ray Fiennes yeah. he's the one who goes on the journey to see the the, the family, family uh, of the, the dead, dead kid, boy yeah. um, so he's a kind of embittered lefty and he, the bit like sort of the film, maybe the first 20 minutes is, is establishing what happens. And then the next, the rest of the film, maybe like, an, like over an hour of it, is basically explaining it to you. Him going in this journey, the rest of the, the party staying at this big house. So you feel like it's a bit it's slanted in terms of time for like a lot of time for him and everyone else at the party. So it's very sort of moments as opposed to actually really sort of real plot and story. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for the most part, I thought I found it really interesting. The only thing I would say about it was I thought the sound mixing was really poor. I don't know if that was the cinema I was in or just as again, it's something we talked about recently. Yeah. Dialogue, fucking hard to hear dialogue, you know. And it's like and the film is... a film like that, it sounds like the dialogue's important. You know, you don't yeah. need an action film, but films like this, where you need to, you know, it's key. Yeah, yeah I was always hoping for subtitles. I really, I did at times, particularly when Matt Smith was talking to somebody. I don't know if maybe it's just Tamber his voice or, what, or maybe the way the mic was positioned when they were doing it or the mix on it, but it felt like I barely understand what he was saying. Um, but other than that, I enjoyed it. Finale is predictable, but it does still hit pretty hard and you do kind of get it and it does still yeah. sort of have a bit of a gut punch. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'd probably put it above one, everyone. It's a very different film. It's definitely not funny. Yeah. And if you do laugh, you're laughing because of how awful it is. You know, it's almost it's a, yeah. it's a, not a, that's a funny laugh. Um, but maybe not up there with Calvary or the guard. I'd give it seven and a half out of ten. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably don't get to see it in the cinema, but something I might be interested in. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of Chester. I can watch or just overrated, man. Don't get up. Yeah. Sure you, I like Chester. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. I know. On from that, we go on to one called Fall, which is directed by Scott Mann, who directed the film Final Score, the one with um, Dave Batista set in the football stadium, the Sky Cinema release. Oh, movie. yeah, where they, where they went to Latveria, apparently. Latveria, yeah. yes, it was in yeah. West Ham's ground, yeah. <laughs> um, also in a film called Heist and the Tournament. So the plot of this one is there's a, a, a trio, you know, husband and wife and friend, they're climbing some big rock formation, um, like free climbing it, one of them slips, falls, dies, that's a hubby, dies. These two lady best friends um, basically reunite. 53, surprisingly, 53 weeks, no, 51 weeks later, you know, hmm. exactly, almost a year later, um, 
and all the sort of she doesn't want her friend to be alone because she's still mourning the loss of her husband. And for some reason, they think the best way to go over this is to go and climb the world's biggest freestanding TV tower somewhere in like the Mubarak Desert. It's like 2,000 feet up. It looks in high. It's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's, she's a YouTuber. They're up there. They're taking video, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, the ladder falls away and they have no way of getting down. So these two girls are trapped at the top of this massive TV tower, beaten down sun, no provisions, with only their wits and all to basically try and get off this tower for the die of dehydration. So centers. what I've heard about this film is it's quite a kind of low-budget indie flick. Yeah. But it gives you an amazing sense of, you know, fucking tight vertigo. You, you get yeah. vertigo watching it. It manages to somehow, despite the budget, you feel like shit. I feel yeah. horrible and sick and woozy and queasy. Yeah, so give us your... And people in the film, you've got Grace Caroline Curry, who is also in Shazam and Annabelle Creation. Uh, Virginia Gardner, who is in Halloween and Project Almanac. Uh, Mason Gooding, and also popping up as um, sort of a very small role in it. Everyone's favourite daddy, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So, hey. so something for the ladies. Um, and the gentleman, in fact. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> Like, okay, so get to it. this is very much in the same vein as The Shallows or 47 Metres Down. It's very low budget, yeah. taking a premise of sort of you're in a situation where you need to do one thing in order to get out of it, and it's just, yeah. it, it, all the elements are against you doing that. And it does, it has a really good sense of height and vertigo. So, you've seen a big, massive screen, and you're it starts to like do the pitching over the top or something, yeah. you do feel the drop, a bit like we saw Man in a Wire. Yeah, that one. which I, yeah, I still feel pleasy when I think about that. Yeah, what was the other one? Well, Man in a Wire was a documentary, it was the one with Joseph Gordon Levitt, The Walk. Oh, the walk, yeah. The walk. So it's the same yeah. idea, that kind of, that real kind of like, whoa, that woziness. Yeah. Um, so that looks pretty cool. Some of the acting is exceptionally ropey. It's very, yeah. as you would probably imagine. Yeah. Um, there are some very weird decision-making processes into what they do, and it feels like, it just feels like they're all, they're trying to make more drama for the sake of drama. You're already up this fucking thing, but you've got to try and make it last 90 minutes. So I guess yeah. that's not a problem. Yeah. Um, and they don't make it last 90 minutes, they make it last an hour and 45, um, which is at least too long by 15 minutes. Um, yeah. But it is mostly well paced without that. But there's a twist in it. I hate to tell you that there's, there's a twist in it that happens that you could have absolutely done without that have cut the 15 minutes off the running time. And I don't understand it. how it could be a twist. The situation itself surely does not warrant a fucking twist. No, the itself does not warrant a twist. Um, <laughs> but the film itself is fine. It's it's what you you see the poster, you hear the trailer, you get exactly what you expect from that. Does it do anything outstanding? No. Um, I personally prefer The Shallows better because I think Blake Lively is a lot more charisma to what he was doing. So I enjoyed yeah. her more. It's in me, 47 metres down. That for some reason worked more for me. Um, I enjoyed yeah. that. I felt like the, the, the ability to bring in more elements to make that a situation where you get underwater, but also you've got no air, so that's running out. You've also got fucking sharks, that's running out. You can't yeah. always just run to the top because you'll get bent. So there's yeah. five or six different elements that are making that a problem. This one's really only got one, which is yeah. you're up high, you need to get yeah. down. That's, that's basically yeah. it. And as much as that is a problem, it's it, the, 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 the interest in that does wane relatively quickly uh, we um, the weird the thing I would mention about the weird thing to do is there's a kind of deep fake technology used on this right okay. where they shot it about two years ago and there's a lot of like swearing in it essentially right. so rather than just dubbing it they basically didn't want to reshoot it because it cost too much money but it tested really well but they wanted to try and make it like a PG-12 rather than a 15 and 18 trying like obviously bigger appeal yeah. so they basically deep fake the actors mouths and like sort of to not swear Okay. It just feels very odd to me. No, is it so. noticeable? Like... Not really. To me. I wouldn't have noticed it unless someone mentioned it. When I did mention it, I started looking. Whenever someone says something like, oh, God damn it, basically they're saying, oh, for fuck's sake, or something like that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it is odd. I just It feels like that film, The Congress, it still feels more and more like that, that almost acts becoming completely pointless. 
Yeah. Like, you don't need to have, like, these weren't great actors, obviously, but you don't even need to have, like, say, Tom Cruise do it anymore. You just have some random anybody do it and then just put Tom Cruise's face on it. Stick me and you up there and, yeah. Ah, like, yeah. Richard, yeah. Richard can do this for a lot cheaper than Tom Cruise, but we'll make Richard look like Tom Cruise by CGI. That's bizarre, isn't it? So, it's so, it's so odd. It's strange. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's all these little baby steps of acceptability with it, which really, this one of the ones that makes me feel really odd about it. It sounds so, like a, but it's been getting rave reviews. So I would not give it. I would give it solid without rave. It does exactly the same ten, but yeah. they have examples of what it does out there. Yeah, yeah. So that survival thrillers are. So it is a niche market, and yeah, you, you've got to do it. Cause, you know, it's you've got to make it believable. Also, I also don't understand like just back to this kind of rock climbing madness. I, I don't get why do this, but the, the, climbing up a mountain, right? Kind of challenge, you've got kind of tents, auction harnesses, but these crazy fuckers that are, you know, like reclaiming you're nuts, you know, like you, you've got a high chance of dying, do you know what I mean? And yeah, just, just and you don't have a man. spot there with fucking zero G group boots to come and get you, you're dead, yeah, you're dead. you fall, boom, that's it, yeah, yeah. no spot, like Tom, no, it, it freaks me out. That was it, I would probably rather watch these solos than watch this again, to be honest, yeah. with them, a far more interesting movie. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's, you get exactly said, like I said, it's 15 minutes too long because of the twist, which absolutely did not need to be there. If you probably take that out, I gave it six and a half out of ten. But because oh. that's there, it gets five and a half out of ten. Oh. She's oh. probably more a film like this deserves, to be honest. That, this has been your low score for quite a long time, Mr. Laird. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, again, yeah. It, but the thing is, it's not, I couldn't give it any higher because it's, it's not, it's not great it's not a great example of what it is it's just yeah. a good example so yeah like i've seen it done better so yeah it's fine it's totally fine cool i do want to see it but now you're making me think should i wait and go and, should i go and see the george miller one and wait until this comes out on streaming which is i mean i think this one might work some because i think you need the cinematic screens of the sort of the big massive screen to really sort of to get, get the rest it. of it yeah but i don't know if i want the vertigo but <laughs> well, actually, I remember bit... we, we sat in the front two rows and we had to go and see the walk and I remember Jill mm-hmm. feeling physically sick she had to I feel fucking horrible it was yeah. like proper lock Cause did, we, did we do that in 3D as well? no yeah. I just done it 2D that maybe I'd done it in 3D myself and I, yeah I remember feeling like proper like this is and I'm kind of I'm, I'm weary of heights but I'm not yeah. afraid of heights but yeah films like this just they just get in your head man you're like, I, don't, yeah. I don't like this I don't want to feel like this so mm, I might I, I might do the George Miller instead okay. well, five and a half out of ten for um fall okay but i think i think it's still a recommendation a weird way it's a five it's a well it's a well done five and a half out of yeah. no i get you i get you and yeah. it is a niche it's kind of niche kind of you know type of film as well say it's a kind of survival film yeah. do you know what i mean so there's not a lot of them out there so yeah. it's like what you said about that film beast last week no matter how good you make that film it's still ultimately a man versus fucking cgi tiger or cgi line so line. yeah best you can do is six out of ten you know really yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah anyway so last film of the week when it's not not in cinema it's, in, it's on netflix and it's called i came by um which is directed by babak avari who directed a film called Under the Shadow, which is an Iranian horror film. I've never seen uh, that one. Which I've never I've still seen. I've heard oh, so, it's so good. Like nothing. I absolutely loved it. It's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, it's like an Iranian vampire film. Yeah. No, you're thinking of the girl who walks her home late at night. That one. Oh, is this the Iranian ghost story one? Ghost story one. Yeah. It's yeah. A yeah. Uh-huh. So well done. So well done. Yeah. It's a great movie. I think it might be on like Amazon now. If you have a look for Probably, it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. a look for it. It's, like, it's a cracking. Like, it's, it's also set in Iran during the 1970s when Iran wasn't Iran that we know. It. It was like quite a bustling society that people were like, quite openly freedom of speech and that kind of stuff and mm. make away what they wanted. It was before the Ayatollah obviously took over. Mm. It's a very different mm. Iran. It's very odd to see it set right at the cusp of that happening. Yeah. You know, so that the world starting to change and things like that. So very great film. I have a chance to watch find it. Um, also a film called Wounds. So this film is called, it's about basically a young, a young man. He's basically sort of a, 
he's out spray painting houses essentially he breaks into a house the rich and famous and he spray paints them it's his sort of social justice or you know giving back to the, the rich personally I'll go for beheading but that's just my way um, it's we'll, harsh man so harsh we'll, we'll definitely do it anyway, this, is, this is what he's doing um, anyway one time one day he's spray painting a house and he stumbled across a basement and in the basement there's a person um, and he obviously, he's obviously got the fuck's going on here so he then goes about trying to break that person out and then the story evolves from there as to whose house it's in um, which is not well, it's in the trailer it's like a local the kind of not local judge, like sort of House of Laws type judge type guy, yeah. like sort of very, very high up, kind of a guy who does all these kind of refugee cases and things like that. So a man of very up high upstanding um, mm-hmm. in the society. Um, so he's got to try and save the person in the, the basement and also convince the rest of the world that this very high floating judge is indeed the baddie. The bastards, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So playing the high floating judge with a baddie is Hugh Bonneville, Paddington's dad, is playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see him playing a bastard though. Yeah, like I can. Him. Yeah. Hey. Um, you've also got Kelly McDonald and George McKay. Um, oddly, oh, it, so old. It, so old, yeah. Oddly, it does make it made me a bit creeped out, but it actually the math does annoyingly work slightly. George McKay is playing Kelly McDonald's son. I can see it, yeah. Because Kelly, yeah. McDonald, Kelly McDonald for us is trains for Nanny McPhee. That's sour Kelly McDonald. We yeah. forget that Kelly McDonald is she's aging with us, yeah. Which, well, which and this should have to have had George McKay at 17, I think it was. So it's possible, yeah. Not, not, not it's not, not completely improbable, so, but yeah, it's a bit when you yeah. see Myla Kunis playing a mum, you go, Really? Myla yeah, Kunis, that, that's, reality, that's does the work. thing, yeah. Because they've built these people to have a certain persona that yeah. doesn't translate to certain characters, and yes. yes, yes. So, so Kelly McDonald is playing George McKay's mum, and it's like I said, annoyingly, it does work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Percel Ascot and Antonio Aquil also pop in the film. So the selling point of this is it's, it's a good guy baddie, and um, you know, so the, the man upstanding, you know, who is actually the evil one. Which is, they don't yeah. hire it. That's pretty upfront early on, so it's yeah. not a spoiler for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they don't really use it properly. It's not really they don't investigate it enough, to make it interesting. It's, it's not seen as a big enough hurdle in many ways. So it, it felt that was the one big thing that was a bit wasted. And Where is it set? London. Yeah, um, there are some nice tense moments. You know, there is the moments when you do feel a bit, you know, tension building throughout yeah. it. Um, but it's, it's sparse, and there's so much, so many gaps in between that it feels a bit lost within it. It just sort of springs from nowhere, and it, you know, it doesn't feel yeah. like yeah, it's not a continuing sense of dread. You get say for something like prisoners, for example. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sporadic, which is a bit of a shame because it's it had some nice, nice ideas. Um, Kelly McDonald, excellent. George McKay, not in it much, but excellent. Um, and Perso Ascot, who played his best, he plays his best friend in it also excellent mm-hmm. um, but this is in despite of a script that feels very very sort of laboured it feels like it's a first mm-hmm. pass you know there's a lot of like very on the nose dialogue there's not doesn't nothing really feels particularly natural yeah. despite how good actors are it, it all still feels like it's like a kind of robotically written so you feel a bit lot, like I'm feeling I'm only watching plot I'm not watching story do you, fe- do, do you think Hugh Borenville is a good actor I think he's. I'm not saying enough to know. I think he just kind of plays the same thing again and again. Yes, he has got a certain creep factor in this, but it's not him that's bad. It's just they don't utilize what he could have been in this film enough to make him present enough. See what I get from Borivol. Same as you. I've not not had massive exposure to him, but he seems like a kid. We can't get Colin Firth. Who can we get? Hugh Borivol. Almost. You know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm doing the guy disservice, but that's how my perception of him is. He's he's the the poor man's Colin Firth. A little bit. I I would not disagree with that. But Mm -hmm. for this, I would say some relatively solid ideas that never quite come together satisfyingly enough. You know, it's all it's all there. It's all there. You know, the, the the ingredients are all there. But they've just mixed them wrong, I would say. Yeah. So you get a bit of a flat cake. But 
there's there's definitely something there. And as a director, I'm very interested in what they do next. Um, certainly after Under the Shadow, which I think is a brilliant film, um, it just never never really does it for me. And I feel it's a bit lost on Netflix. Maybe it might work better in a cinema, like you know, sort of a Friday night horror, like sort of like thriller horror type thing. You know, dark and room with strangers and yeah, some of the stuff might kick in a lot because there's a few moments you you do kind of feel like going like a bit kind of oh Jesus, like didn't expect that. Because I'm watching at home, didn't really have the same kind of pounding impact on me. Yeah, quite fine to watch though, because as you know, massive for George McKay. Yeah, Kelly McDonald is always always yeah, I'll maybe watch it and see. Yeah, see I mean, it, definitely yeah. give it a watch, especially on like a Friday night. It's a good Friday night watch. Yeah, so definitely watch it, and it folds up well. But doesn't linger along the memory, I would say as well. Yeah. So one of those kind of horrors. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, because the premise is quite good. You think it is something that would again, that's you know, seen, kind of stick. Yeah, yeah. There's so much there that could work, and it could be a really interesting like sort of story. Just, just they never really pull it together properly. Uh, it sounds like they're just kind of not tied the laces tight enough in this one. Just kind of yeah. maybe a couple more drafts in the script. Maybe I don't know. And it does mm. feel I don't know if it was shot during lockdown, but you definitely get that sense of it because. It's, it feels a wee bit, all the actors feel a little bit separate from each other for a lot of the time. They don't really feel like they interact too much. Right. So you do get that yeah. sense of, like, not quite the same level as that one with Chris Hemsworth on Netflix, and it feels like there's only two people in a room and they get them far apart, not that kind of level. But there's a little bit of a sense of, like, I think, you know, you can you get a feel, there's a disconnect with all the actors. I feel they don't feel like they're acting next to each other in the same way you would get normally. But yeah. I'm, I'm probably more damning on it in a relationship. I sound more damning than I was because for the most part, we did enjoy it for the hour and a half song, but it was yeah. fine. Yeah. So it, it doesn't labour as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I give it a six out of ten. I think I'll give that a try. So just, yeah. just for the actors, so because I kind of feel obligated to watch yours with Kai, whatever I can. So yes, I agree. Give that a shot for that. Um, so next week, some interesting stuff out. So we're going to try and go and see 3,000 Years of Longing because you're both yours and our fans and we hope cinemas will put them on at this time. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also this week, we have got on Netflix, on Disney Plus, sorry, we've got Pinocchio. Yes, the yes. Zemeckis reimagined, well, not reimagined, basically the Disney Pinocchio, essentially. Yeah, the, the live action Pinocchio, which With is the third. Live, live action Pinocchio, isn't it? So, oh, yeah, many, because Pinocchio is yeah, not yeah. owned by Disney. Pinocchio, there's a yeah. Disney version of Pinocchio, but yeah, Pinocchio is an old, old yeah. story. That's why you've got a Del Toro version coming out soon as well this year. Oh, uh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, Pinocchio on Disney Plus, and it's got um, Tom Hanks playing Geppetto. Could be good as well. Yes. Uh, Disney Plus, they're kind of. They're doing some big stuff tomorrow, aren't they? This is like the big Disney Plus Disney. day, the sort of like other reveal day and all that kind of stuff. So we'll find yeah, out tomorrow. So what we'll see what our dates have got for us because we're doing for Love and Thunder as well. Which yes, I'm not quite ready for again yet. No, no, yeah. I um, we also have out on Netflix one called End of the Road, which seems it's it's got an odd cast to be honest for a film that I wasn't really sure. It's not getting much of a um high point. You've got Queen Latifah, who actually can be interesting at times, yeah, opposite yeah. Bull Bridges. Okay, right. Yeah. That's interesting. You've also got Ludacris in it as well. Now, normally, that's one of the things, anything with Ludacris in it, I do avoid because he's generally yeah. not particularly good. Um, but that might be one on Netflix. If we're struggling to see stuff this week because of time and stuff like that, it's on Netflix, so End of the Road is out. Um, but in cinemas, alongside 3000 years long, we have got the new A24 movie, Bodies, 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 which looks very... I think it may be too old, too young for us, Colin. I think we'll be too confused by all the young the speech. Tra- not so, but the trailers, yeah. No. I kind of watched the trailer and I'm like, I don't know if I care about this one. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the first Zillennial or sort of like TikTok generation sort of horror yeah. sort of thriller. And I feel it might be, we'll feel too old, Colin, watching it. Well, um, we should try anyway. Yes, it has yeah. got Maria Bakalova in it, who I'm a big fan of after um, Borat, so I'm intrigued to see what she does. Okay. You know, it's very good and um, We also have the new David Cronenberg film out called Crimes of the Future. Oh, so, I didn't know this was coming out. What's yeah. the premise of this? Um, what is the premise of this one? Let me tell you the premise of this one called. Cause it's body, body horror, yeah, will be involved. Be, it's going to be that. Um, so it's got 
Viggo Mortensen and the like almost disturbingly attractive Leah Sadu, um, Kristen Stewart and Scott Steedman. And essentially it says, humans adapt to a synthetic environment with transformations and mutations, so there's your body horror. Yeah. If his partner Capri Sol Tesner, a celebrity performance artist, publicly showcased the metamorphosis of his organs in an avant-garde performance. So if ever a film sounded David cronenberg this fucker sounds David cronenberg <laughs> it, it, is, is it getting released in... Cinemas, yeah. He's, yeah, big in yeah. cinemas and stuff, yeah. So I'll be out I about it. I want to see that a lot, yeah. yeah. Cronenberg's yeah. one of those guys, again, for us, it seems to hold a special place, even though he's maybe not been hitting the heights of late he still yeah, has that still, yeah he still does it what he has done that you remember from the 80s and 90s is just so ingrained in you that you're always intrigued always well, I'm saying that. his son is definitely carrying the tops as well yeah you've heard he's doing some, some Possessor is the one that he done it was it was a disturbing disturbing movie I watched and it was very very good um, and also out we've got a film called See How They Run which has got a very good cast. I think it's all singing, all dancing, and it's got yeah. Sam Rockwell doing singing and dancing. And if you can make Sam Rockwell sing and dancing a film, I think you're, you're doing all right. Because um, I like about this. Rockwell this looks dancing. interesting. It's a bit of like an ensemble cast film. In this one, it's a bit of like a kind of mystery murder who done it almost. Yes, you get yeah. Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan, uh, Adrian Brody, Ruth Wilson, yeah. Shirley Henderson, David O'Wellio, Rishi Smith, Tim Key. Yeah, it's got a pretty much a, a, a very large and expansive cast, but enough of a good cast in it that I'm intrigued by it at least. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. That's out this week. Um, so that's we've, got, we've actually got lots to go and watch this week, Colin. So, oh, yeah, very busy week this to, week. Getting the time to see it is a freaking problem, the term. Exactly. So, do what we can. I think George Miller's got 20 cards. We cannot hold to ourselves to see George Miller. George very, Miller, Bodies, Body, and Body, and Crimes of the Future are definitely my three cinema viewings. Um, yeah, I'll definitely watch so. Pinocchio as well. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, Tom Hanks. Tom you Hanks. Know? You've got to. You're obligated now. For fuck's sake. Yeah, Tom. exactly. Everybody <laughs> find us, Colin. Uh, three beers in the movie. That's the number three beers in the movie uh, on Gmail, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. So come along, say hello, and talk film with Richard Laird and Cod McKay. Booyah! Three beers in a movie.